You were never out of the fight. You were created for a time such as this. And you are now preparing to be sent into battle. God is calling you to be his disciple, to be formed in virtue and holiness. He has appointed you as an ambassador of his kingdom. To go and represent him to his people. And he's enlisted you as a soldier of Christ. To be sent out to fight for the good in this world. You are not made to make excuses. It's time for you to take extreme ownership for your life all of your life. It's time to rise up and finally be the man or woman you were created to be. Follow God. Lead others. And never surrender. It is time to begin seeking excellence. Hey everyone, welcome to the Seeking Excellence Podcast. Back today with my man, Father Meyer, to continue on part two of talking about the importance of being a visionary, just how important it is in your life to have a vision. So this is part two. If you haven't heard part one, highly recommend you go listen to that. Check that out because we talk about the importance of having a vision and how that can impact your life as a human person, as a leader, as a priest, as a father or a mother, a friend, all of the above. So it's really, really important stuff. And so today, Father, I want to talk a little bit more practically about how do people develop a vision for their life? You know, we talked a lot last time about the importance of dreaming and letting the dreams, uh, you know, that are in your heart, that, that, that God has ingrained in your soul to be let out, you know, to think about those, to ponder those things. And two things that I think really, really happen to people, Father, is they, they stop dreaming after their childhood's over, right? They become kind of pessimistic and, and we kind of lose that aspect of dreaming and hopefulness and optimism and the belief that anything is possible, you know? Because kids dream. Kids have wild dreams. They think of these cool ideas and all these things that can happen. And there's no limitations, which part of that is because they don't have an understanding or a grip on full reality, right? And money and cost of things and stuff like that. But it's also, there's also a good aspect of it, right? That, that the freedom of, of childhood innocence is that you're allowed to dream and believe that anything is possible, which is really great. But it's something that unfortunately, we, as we grow in our understanding of reality, we lose the, the positive side as well. But I think the, the second thing that really hits people is distractions. I think that part of the reason why people don't dream and stuff to think of how can we improve and how can things get better is, uh, is distractions and people just being distracted by constantly being on their phone, constantly staying busy, or at least being active all the time, right? So they don't have time to stop and think as people used to have time to think, right? Because you had a lot of free time uh, or more like clear, cleared space, I should say, of free time where you're not distracted and busy all the time. And then the third thing I would say, you know, kind of a bonus thing that I think really affects people is this aspect of us kind of getting like just weaker or more afraid of failure in this like constant because of the fact of social media and everything being so public and known about us. I think there's this fear to try things. There's this fear of believing that we can be better and, and wanting to actually challenge ourselves and do hard things because we live such a comfortable lifestyle. So yeah, Father, do you have any thoughts on those, you know, kind of the things I just named, you know, the distractions, the, uh, the loss of the, the kind of childhood innocence, um, or just kind of like the, yeah, the way our culture's kind of drifted away from feel or drifted into this like deep fear of failure and how that's affected us and in, in our desires to, to dream and have a vision. 
Yeah, so I think you 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 hit on a, some some really really like powerful parts that I think happen to people when they want to break their vision. I think the biggest one is fear. Fear of doing something that other people haven't done. Fear of failure. Um, I, I just we we have to be okay with failure. You know, I always like like uh, I got like right above my head is I'm in the church right now in the station of the cross like. There's 14 stations. Jesus fell three times. Like, if you begin to think about that, like, it's okay. Like, if you fall, thanks be to God, because you will learn so much from that. Um, and every failure is actually a tremendous way to learn. Um, and you learn from each failure on how to be better. And um, one of the things that we do, like, as a, as a, as a parish, every time we have an event, we, we talk after it, like, okay, what was really good and what was really bad? And what do we need to learn for next time? Like, it's a, it's a constant desire for, for, pe for, for perfection and growth, but we're also willing to like, to, to do anything new and to say that, that anything is possible because everything is possible. I mean, like, it's just such a, like, we have to, like, and I, I was like, people say, oh, father, you're just, you're an optimist. Well, no, I'm not an optimist. I'm a Christian. Like to be a Christian means that we believe that God can do things. We believe that grace is real, which means that like the transformative power of God's grace in our relationships, in our business um, is real. God wants to do great things in you. He wants to do great things in us. And we have to allow that to happen. So I think fear is huge and you, you just have to you just have to banish it. Like, I mean, we, we all know like it, it's said like almost cliche. You know, that in the Bible it says three hundred sixty-five times. You know, be not afraid and like. But okay, <laughs> whether that's actually true, that it actually says. But there's one for every day. Uh, <laughs> it sounds why good. Haven't, well. Why haven't you? Yeah. Why haven't you changed your job? Why Why don't you have a different job? You You, you hate your job. You don't right. like your job. You don't like your boss. You, you you don't like driving to work. You do something like stop the insanity. Like you know the the, you know, the great definition of insanity is you know you know doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Right. <laughs> it's not going to change. You thinking knucklehead. Do something that is different and you will find different results. And sometimes those results might not be good. Sometimes the results be like, oh, that was a really, that was stupid. Shouldn't have done that. Uh, but you changed. And at least mm. you can then like evaluate like, wow, like, okay, that wasn't a good idea. Right. Um, I'm not saying like get a different job every two weeks, um, but wake up every day with that desire to become who, the, the, you know, the greatest that God is calling you to be. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's really good. I, you, you hit a line there that I think I want to do a whole podcast so together someday. Maybe we could talk about it more now is I'm not an optimist. I'm a Christian, you know, and I think that I've been told that so many times, too. And, and I had a lot of, uh, you know, friends or have dated people who are just different personality types than me. You know, uh, they, I'm the more sanguine, excited, you know, kind of generally more optimistic individual. Right. You're aware of the energy that I can bring to the table every now and then. And I think that that personality type is often considered that they're like, well, you're just like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not negative. I'm not pessimistic. I'm just realistic. You know, I'm just being a realist. And it's like, no, sometimes like you're just being negative. And it's like, 
what, what would that person have said? Like one thing that, that kind of struck me as you said that is when you think about the, the woman who touched the hem of Jesus' garment or the blind man on the side of the road who calls out to him to heal him, like people told them to shut up. People told them to stop. And you're just optimistic. That's not real. It's not possible. You know, like these great things, these miracles that God wanted to work, the, the beautiful things he wanted to do in people's lives to heal them that people yeah, would have so, told them to not do, not pursue because they're not being realistic. Yeah, I would say you're being a realist. Uh, you're really selling yourself short and you're really <laughs> denying the opportunity for God to work in your life. Right. And you're really blowing your whole entire future. So yeah, you are a realist and it really is terrible and you need to stop it. <laughs> that was good. That was a good little dad spin there. But, but, but it's so true, isn't no, it? No, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, like, I, do you want joy in your life? Do you want to thrive? If you do change your mindset, you know, yep. once again, the, the old attitude, we change your habits, we change your life, mm -hmm. change. You have to do it. Like you can't just keep thinking that like somehow it, this is all gonna, you know, just magically happen. Like, but it, it, it does, it begins with, with, with an open mindset. It begins with a mindset that says like, it's possible. Like, you can go through all the lists of all the people that like have failed in life. Um, but I can give you a, like people, you know, make movies and write books about all the people who succeed in life. I mean, so I right. can give you a lot of uh, like stories, like, and a lot of them are Cinderella stories and they're yeah. awesome. But like, why don't you believe that you can be Cinderella? Um, and there's nobody in those stories, the movies or the, the heroes that we emulate, the saints we you know, admire who didn't have that optimism, who wouldn't be, or, you know, or that hope, that, that belief and trust in the Lord that, and, and I think the difference, one of the key differences I've, I've heard and I believe between a Christian and an optimist is that a, a Christian is not devastated if things don't work out the way that they should, right? Like we trust and believe that God can do amazing things and that if he wills it, that he will do amazing things in our lives and, and you know, and, and make miracles happen. But we're also okay and not hopeless or distraught or like destroyed like an optimist, like a secular optimist would be if things don't work out, you know, it doesn't have to be this unbelievable yeah. disappointment because we're constantly loved by God. We constantly have his mercy and grace and we know that his grace is going to be sufficient for us no matter what happens, but there's nothing about. Yeah. To constantly go back to this. Yeah. To go back to the fact that like, if, if things get really, really bad, like it's okay. Like, Right, I, have, exactly. I will learn so much from this. Yep. It's like, we've talked in other podcasts, but like I coach cross country and track. And so like when one of my kids has a horrible race, I'm like, thanks be to God you had a horrible race. Like, this is awesome. Right. Like, what, because we're going to learn from this and then you aren't going to do it again. Like the, the, the failure doesn't mean that you're a failure. The fall doesn't mean that you are a terrible person. It just means that like, wow, okay. You know, if, if the Wright brothers hadn't kept trying and trying, like, you know, we wouldn't be able to fly. Mm -hmm. So you have to fail to be able to fly. And so it's a part of being a leader. It's a part of being a visionary. It's a part of being a human is the fact of like, we look at life and say, hey, the sky isn't the limit. The only limit that I have is my mind. Mm -hmm. The, the thing that limits me is my mind. That's what limits me. Right. And that's a horrible thing. Yep. And that, that well-formed Christian joy is invincible. 
you know, and you can see that through the saints who have been, you know, singing and, and singing the praises of the Lord as they're like being decapitated, you know, like it's not, you know, yeah, limited or, or confined to certain areas or certain times, certain contexts or certain circumstances like, uh, you know, St. Paul writes in, in Philippians 4, 11 to 13, where he talks about before he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He talks about how he learned to be content in all situations, you know, to face hunger and plenty. Yeah, and if I can throw in, if, if I can throw into that as well, like, I just think about like, I mean, so I meet with every senior in high school at my parish uh, and have like a, uh, like a, just like a little interview with them uh, right. during their senior year. And I always like, they come in like, yeah, I'm going to be a, a math, whatever, a, an accountant, or I'm going to be a nurse, or I want to study microbiology. And I always ask the question, why? Like, how did, how did that seed get planted? And they're like, it, it normally comes down to the fact that someone in their life at one point said, hey, you want to, you're pretty good at math. Hey, wow, mm-hmm. you're really good at biology. Have you ever thought of maybe studying biology in college? So he, this is what's interesting. Look at your individual life and say, why am I doing what I'm doing right now? It's most life likely because someone spoke into you mm-hmm. positive thoughts, encouragement, and you listen to it. Okay. So other people can say, well, you have this gift, you should use that. And then, and then we do that, but we don't do that. It makes no sense that we wouldn't do that for ourselves. Right. And while we don't subject ourselves to prayer so that God, the father can also do that. Thank you. Exactly. Exactly. Exactly where I was going to go. Yeah. And also, also like, so, so, so then within this, so let's go back to the fact of like this pot, like is a Christian positive or is a Christian, uh, an optimist? Like, uh, I'm sorry. Um, let's go back to the book of Genesis. God's what, what is God? What, what is, what is the last word of God after he creates everything? God looked at all that he made and said, it is good. God doesn't look at everything that he says and says, uh, it's okay. Um, well, it's kind of limited. Um, I could have really done a better job on this. Um, no, God looks at what he's created. And he says, it's good. Go forth and multiply. So I think like when we look at ourselves, like if I'm a creature of God, then like I need to look at myself and I need to be able to say, okay, God has a plan for me. God has a dream for me. So I need to have that as well. Mm-hmm. And adopt that. Yeah, it's so big. I How- can't. I can't live in a limited mindset. Right. That constantly says, no, this is enough. The, the, you know, the mediocrity that I live in or the boredom that I live in or the sloth that I live in or the mediocrity that, that that's, it's no, it's not enough. God doesn't want that for you. God created you mm-hmm. good and he wants you to be good and he wants you to be great. And so I am thoroughly convinced that God, every, that every, that everyone who is listening God wants them to thrive. And most likely in your life, you are choosing to do what you do because someone spoke into your heart. Hopefully it was God, but very possibly it was your science teacher or your English teacher or your music teacher or your football coach. And you need to speak to yourself that same way. You need right. to encourage yourself and you need to go to prayer where you can hear the God, God, the father say, listen, you can do this. I have a dream for you. I have a vision for you. And it's much broader than what you believe of yourself. 
Mm. Without a doubt. So that's what I got to say. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, no, I think it's really great. So can you share just a little bit about what has been like, what was your journey of like God's vision for you as a priest, how you kind of developed your vision for the parish, any of those things that are kind of practical in developing that vision and actually starting to kind of write it out and get detailed with it. Yeah. So, I mean, early in seminary, I had just, I kept looking around to my brother. Well, I, they were my brothers at that point, but they were my mentors, I guess. Uh, and just kind of, I guess really just kept saying like, what am I called to do? What am I called to do? And I kept finding a lot of like, just like, I didn't see what I wanted. I didn't see brother priests living the life that I wanted to live. And so that's when I started scouring and devouring the lives of the saints and the early church fathers and the early bishops of the church, because I wanted to find what I believed was like the essence of priesthood. So I, I think it's going to go back to that whole idea of like, what is the dream? What is the vision? For me, it was, it, it was a, a lot of priests will say like, oh, I was inspired by my pastor. I was inspired by the priest in my parish when I was a young child. That was not my case. Mine was a clear decision to say, I am going to be inspired by the saints, by the early church fathers. I'm going to be inspired by the greats. So the, the vision that I had wasn't one practical that I could see even next to me. It was often the, the vision was actually one that was literally I had to create in my mind from right. these books I was reading or these documents that I was reading. Um, and then from that to create something. And then that's the, 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 the same has really been the true with the parish. It's not that I've, I have in my, I'm not trying to recreate the parish of my childhood. If I did that, it would be horrible. <laughs> right. Back to like, you know, the, the phrase, I want to go back to normal. No, normal is horrible. So it, it's looking at church documents, looking at what's happening throughout the world, looking at the success that um, every parish that I go to, I always pick up their bulletin and I scour their bulletin. Like, what are mm -hmm. they doing that's successful? And I give it to my parish staff or we talk about it in a parish council meeting. I'm like, let's, why aren't we doing this? And so the same should be, like I said, the, the same should be true for every single family. Every husband and wife should be saying, why am I not doing what our neighbors are doing? Why am I not doing, like, let, what are our neighbors are doing that's successful? And how do I bring that into my marriage? Mm. Every business needs to ultimately say that as well. Every parish needs to say that. Every organization, every relationship. So how do we look at what's best and break it down into practical steps and apply that to our lives? Baller. I love it. And I love what you shared last time and then a little bit today, too, about just like the the fact that plagiarism is okay in a lot of circumstances. Once you leave school, like plagiarism in a lot of ways is, is the move. If I could throw this in here real quick. Yeah. Um, when I was in seminary, like there came a point where like one of my patron saints became St. Didymus. St. Didymus is the good thief. He's the one who died um, next to our Lord. There is the, there is the bad thief and the good thief and the right. good thief, his name is St. Didymus, but or some call him St. Dismas, but um and I just decided, like, uh, he's the patron saint who is a thief. And, like, I will be a thief. Like, <laughs> That's so, so like, awesome. With my, with my preaching, with everything in my parish, like, it is all stolen. But in a church of, of 2,000 years old, you don't need novel. You just need to see what is good. So, like, do it. See it. Copy it. Do it. It's like, it's like, and so, so this, the same is true in all, in all aspects of, of life. Um, see it, 
copy it, do it, make it happen. That's right. Yeah. I think that's so important. I mean, that's, that's, that's really, really big. And, and it's important to understand that you don't have to completely uh, idolize or copy exactly one person or one organization and try to become them. You know, I think oh. that's something that people do that that's really a bad move in plagiarizing is you, you pick one person or one style and you try to exactly be that person, which I learned, like, I learned through playing basketball that I was like, I'm not any of these people. I'm not any of these basketball players that I watch, but I can, you know, learn about MJ's, uh, you know, Michael Jordan's fadeaway, or I can learn about Kobe's step back and I can learn how LeBron drives to the hoop. And I can try to, you know, mimic those things as best as I can to make my basketball game. And that's what I think is so important. And I, I had the same experience, you know, as you just kind of described of, I didn't have that role model that I wanted when I got to college and had this kind of, I tried to do the, the men in black, you know, like <laughs> the flashy boy where you just forget all your memories of what you thought it meant to be a man and just kind of create, you know, from scratch, like say, okay, I didn't have to do a clean slate, hard reset. What do I think, you know, a good man, what, what do I think Nathan Crankfield at his best will look like when he's 25 or 30 years old? And what are the traits? Who are the people that I think embody some of those traits now? And so I learned from Derek Jeter, from The Rock, from St. Joseph, you know, from just a myriad of different people, from Father Brian Nolan at the Mount, like from Michael, you know, Mike Solomon, my, my focus uh, student discipler, you know, like learning all these different things of how they competed, how they Father played. Chase Hillenbrink. Father and, Chase Hildenbrink. At the yeah, time, Father Deacon yeah. Chase Hildenbrink. And yeah, at I the mean, beginning, just Chase Hildenbrink, the seminarian. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to the legend. Yeah. But learning from guys like that and just saying, OK, this is what they do. This is how they act. This is how they react when they're frustrated. This is how they act, you know, when when they're um, unhappy or they're sad. This is what they turn to. This is how they work out. All someone called that someone called that a mosaic or a cornucopia or like, correct. But no, it's 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 a huge melting yes. pot of, of of best practices of best ideas. And like, I'm going to bring them all together. and I'm going to act on them and I'm going to make it my life. And what we talked about before about being willing to fail and understanding as I create this vision for myself, I'm going to strive to be like Father Chase or to be like Father Meyer or to be like Mike Solomon or to be like this person. And I'm going to fail. Like, I'm not going to hit all the, I'm not going to hit everything, you know, but surrounding yourself with those people who do stretch you, not just surrounding yourself with people who make you comfortable and allow you to stay where you are, but surrounding yourself with people who do stretch you so that you can, yeah, really start to see like, oh, this is what excellence looks like in this area. How can I take a little bit about what that person's doing and apply it to my own life? Because that's huge. And not just people who like, yeah. And just to kind of wrap up here, but like, I just want to like throw this out here. And I'm, I know that I'm going to like challenge some people and I don't even know if these people are listening to this podcast, but like surrounding yourself with people, listen to the voices of those who you surround yourself with. Are they people who speak about dreams and their future? Are they people who encourage you? Are they people who challenge you to dream? Or are they people who are negative and complain all the time and just complain about the system, complain about their bosses and complain about their leaders and talk about how things are bad. And the bad is always someone else's part, someone else's fault. It's the bad is always someone else. And if they would just do their job better, if my boss wasn't such a jerk, well, well, change it, go do something, right? Stop the the amount of energy that you're wasting and just complaining is so lame. Stop being lame. That's it. Right. Exactly. Awesome. You only have one life to live. You might as well make it as good as you can make it, you know, and just get after it. It, It's so important. It's so important. And it's just important, I think, to to emulate those who are going to lead you to 
really experiencing life to the fullest because, you know, there's one thing that you and I agree with, Father Chase agrees with, everybody on the SE team agrees, is that when you're pursuing your best in all these different areas of life, life is a lot more enjoyable. And it's amazing to me how many people out there, like you talked about, are, are we don't want to do the things that we know make us happy, that we know make us better. But then we're surprised and shocked and turned to medicine and drinking and all these other things once we're unhappy and we're not satisfied and we're upset with who we are, you know? And so that's what I think is so important about recognizing these things and being intentional about how can I grow this? How can I get better in these different areas? Because that's what it's all about. And that's the only way you're going to fully experience life to the fullest. So absolutely great stuff today, Father Meyer. I appreciate you. It's great seeing you again, my man. Uh, Keep up the great work. Keep fighting hard out there. And thanks for joining the show again. Always a blessing, Nathan. God bless you. And uh, God bless you all for listening.